Another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Brother Jake Robideau, Assistant Pastor of Northwest Bible Baptist Church. Uh, Brother Robideau is a professor at Providence Baptist College. Been working here for 15 years teaching classes. And one of the classes that you teach, Brother Jake, is Manuscript Evidences. Uh, which is a class that strikes fear in the heart of freshmen everywhere <laughs> when they sign up for your class and they learn for a good reason that it's an upper-level classman, upper-classman-type level class. But um, can you tell us a little bit about that class, what it is, and then how that relates to today's topic? Well, really, uh, the class as it's taught here at Providence Baptist College, uh, we go back and we look at, you know, really all the way back to the beginning, what is biblical revelation? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what is what is inspiration and preservation? We'll talk about that a little bit more. And then and then eventually we get to obviously, which very important, um, the historical uh, evidences and the, the process of which uh, brought to us, you know, our King James Bible. And mm-hmm. so it's really a history of the King James Bible in a nutshell. We do look at certain manuscript evidences, but uh, obviously the goal of the class is to the embolden the student in their faith in the authority of God's word. Okay, and that's important, to build Very a student's important. faith um, mm-hmm. over reason, because mm-hmm. that's what often happens in a Bible college setting. You you get the academic aspect of it, but there's there's the faith aspect as well. Some of the books that are written that are you know assigned reading or required reading, mm-hmm. uh, some attack the subject purely from a... Um, from a technical aspect, right? Sure. All uh, all the resources and all the just a very technical, uh, almost like an approach from reason. And I okay. do believe that it's a very reasonable argument to believe mm-hmm. that you know why we use the King James Bible. Uh, but then there are also totally uh, faith-based approaches as well, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, it does require faith to please God. And there is an element of believing the authority of Scripture that does require faith. You just can't get around it for sure. Sure. So. The first question I guess I have is why is this such an important issue? Why make it a required class for a lot of our majors here at the college? And why discuss it now? I think being right on the Bible is important for many reasons. I'll give you just a couple. First mm-hmm. of all, um, we, we make the statement, and rightfully so, the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Mm-hmm. So in essence, it's important to be right on the Bible because if it is our final authority, if we're wrong on which Bible we use— then most likely we're going to be wrong in almost every other area of doctrine and practice. Whereas if we're right on the Bible and we do have confidence in the scriptures that we use, then we're going to have a pretty good chance to be right on different doctrines and how we apply them for sure. I I guess, go ahead. It kind of like builds, it reminds me of Christ's parable. The wise man built his house upon a rock, and the Bible often is referred to as a rock, you know, foundation for us to build upon. Yeah, and I think that also, honestly, goes right into the second part of that. I think there's a certain confidence that's needed to boldly preach the Word of God. Mm. And um, if I don't believe that I have a providentially, perfectly inspired and preserved Word of God, uh, how, what what business do I have behind a pulpit proclaiming, thus saith the Lord? there are a lot of people that are confused on this, so-called preachers and people that fill pulpits, and they'll tell you there's certain versions that are strong on this issue, or certain versions are better for this type of people or that type of people, yeah. and and this one might be a little bit weak on this, but it's strong on this, and and uh, and that sounds all fine and good until you really break it down and realize what they're saying, uh, and really the issue: who determines what's inspired writing and what's not? Exactly. Who 
you're setting yourself up as a judge. And what are you judging? It's you're really judging the foundation scripture? of humanism. Yeah. That I am the one that has the you know, knowledge, the competency to determine what is accurate in this book mm-hmm. and what is now error or was not interpreted properly or translated properly, okay. et cetera. And so uh, anyways, I, I personally think it's pretty disingenuous for a preacher to man a pulpit and preach a message from the quote-unquote Bible um, when he doesn't even believe that he has a perfect Bible. Yeah. I mean, really, that's the, almost the ultimate of hypocrisy. And, um, and what authority do we have outside of the Word of God? Mm-hmm. And what authority can a humanly corrupted book give us? Really none, yeah. if any at all. And so um, anyways, I, I just can't get over that fact that there are people that will go into a pulpit and try to preach or pastor people and tell people what supposedly God said, and they're not even sure that they know what God said or didn't say or if it's exactly how he said it, et cetera. So that assumes um, on your part that we have a perfect Bible. And so what do you say to someone who doesn't necessarily believe that we have a perfect Bible? Well, if somebody says, you know, do we have a perfect Bible? What I'm at, what I'm going right back at them is I'm, I'm asking them, what do they believe about who God is? Mm-hmm. Because essentially... This issue comes down to uh, our belief in the character of God. And is God perfect? He is, right? Yeah. Is he capable of sin? No, he's not. Um, we believe God is a holy and a righteous God. Even Jesus Christ in the flesh was not capable of sin. Mm-hmm. And so if this is the case, and we do believe that this is, that God has impeccable character, he's incapable of sin, mm-hmm. Uh, how could he produce anything that's less than perfect? And to include the supernatural recording of his words. Sure. And uh, one of the things that we study are all of the scriptural uh, evidences where God promises to give us not only a written word, but he promises to uh, preserve it and keep it throughout history. And so uh, very important to understand God's character. God mm-hmm. cannot lie. And so if he promised to give us his word, uh, how could he give us something that's less than perfect? If somebody says, well, I think there's errors, really what they're saying is, I don't believe that God can. And that's a pretty big issue. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You used a term just now, preservation. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, there's vocabulary that goes with um, any belief system and uh, certainly applies to here as well. There's certain vocabulary, and I think that's one of them. Preservation, what does that mean? Well, you've really got the two companion doctrines uh, as it pertains to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. That's inspiration and preservation. Okay. And, um, and these are important doctrines that cannot be separated. I just call them companion doctrines. Okay. Uh, what I mean by that is you can't truly believe one uh, without believing the other. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that we emphasize as we go through this course and something that was just, just pounded into me is that the doctrine of inspiration is meaningless without the doctrine of preservation and vice versa. So how, explain what some people might, if a person believed in the inspiration but not the preservation, what would that look like? Well, uh, basically it's doubting the character of God to have a perfectly preserved copy of God's words in their lap Mm -hmm. today. And you will see that, and one of the things that we sometimes look at are doctrinal statements, and uh, some churches may say, you know, we believe in the inspiration of the original autographs, uh, and they go on, or we believe in the inspiration of the scriptures, but they don't define what they actually believe that to be. And then they might say something to the effect of, uh, we do believe that, might, they might say the King James Bible, or the, typically they say that, they, they might say the English uh, the, the, is, is the 
you know, preserved, you know, word of God for us today. Yeah. Uh, but they rarely define the King James Bible as both in a lot of cases, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably hit on this a little bit later, but once again, just the emphasis is you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. And so um, really, you got to understand what those terms mean. And when we okay. say inspiration, simply put, uh, you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, that word inspiration there in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Greek word is theonoustos, which means God-breathed. And uh, God-breathed, what an easy way to picture what inspiration is. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about that, God-breathed, from God's mouth, if you would, to our pages. And um, I think one of the things that illustrates is the great power that is implied by that definition. Mm-hmm. When God breathes, he gives life. When God breathes, he gives power. And of course, we know there is power, there is life in his words. And so a longer definition of inspiration may be uh, the process by which God's revelation was recorded in written form. And so there's a lot there. Uh, One of the neat things about divine inspiration um, is that there's a confluence to it. And uh, when you hear that term confluence, it has the implication that there are two things that are coming together. You think of of a river. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess a good example would be in St. Louis where the Missouri River, the Mississippi River come together. That's a, a confluence okay. there. And uh, when we talk about confluence as it pertains to inspiration, uh, it's, it's a unique study. It's an interesting study to see how God used man to record his words. He didn't have to. Yeah. Right? He could have done it like he gave the Ten Commandments. But he chose man to be the instrument uh, to record his divine revelation. And so we don't make more of this than we should. I mm-hmm. think some people can might do that. But it is neat to understand that element. And you see it in the different writing mm-hmm. styles uh, throughout Scripture, how God even used the words of men that spake, mm-hmm. and he recorded them as divine revelation. Uh, I think the illustration that might... Um, show it best, you think about an artist, right, uh, that might be, um, might be drawing a picture. And if he uses a calligraphy pen, that picture is going to look different than if he used a crayon, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Makes writing sense. instrument by itself is not capable of producing any type of creation or content. Mm-hmm. But in the hands of the artist, it's going to be his work. And it might have a little bit of a different look to it, right? Mm-hmm. Different style, but it's going to be still the artist's uh, work. And I think that's a, a neat way to illustrate how God used uh, some of the men that wrote the scripture, whether it was the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah. The disciples. You think of uh, Moses in the Old Testament. You're going to see different styles, but still all God's words and yeah. still under the inspiration so of God. Inspiration. The Bible is inspired because God claimed it to be. That has mm-hmm. to be taken by faith. But that is an interesting study to see the different styles of the writers. And even God dictating word for word, you write this down. You can see that in the Old Testament prophets, thus saith the Lord, the Lord came to mm-hmm. me in a vision, whatever it might be. And then you've got the writings of the Apostle Paul. It's like not quite direct dictation, but yet still the Bible claims that it is inspired. Absolutely. And that's really neat. I like There's that. There's so much there. Yeah. And uh Claims of inspiration, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, there, there's a lot there for sure. Yeah. And and, um, and I do think it's important to even break down inspiration a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear certain terms, and sometimes you hear these terms and, you, and you're like, what does that mean in layman's terms, right? Sure. Uh, you'll hear terms like uh, plenary. You'll hear terms like verbal inspiration. 
And uh, really, all that is, uh, take for example, verbal inspiration, all that really means is that the words are important, that the words were inspired, that to God the words were important. Uh, A lot of people might say, and this is one of the basis that you use for modern versions, is they'll say, well, only the ideas or the concepts are inspired. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Bible, in the Bible, God places a great emphasis on the words. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Yeah. Talks about, you know, the importance of even every jot and tittle, and I believe that's Matthew 5.18. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you can't get past the emphasis on the words of God, mm-hmm. right, in Scripture. And so that's simply what verbal inspiration is, that every word is inspired uh, and given by God. Um, then you hear that term plenary inspiration, and that is a great uh, thing to understand. Simply put, that means that all of the Scripture is inspired and all parts are equally inspired. Okay. Not one section of Scripture is more inspired than another. Um, the the opposite view of this would be people that claim partial inspiration. You know, okay. bits, this part's good, this part's not. Why would they claim, make and, a claim uh, like that? Well, a lot of it, they want to claim influence of, of, of people that copied or wrote or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's a pretty liberal view of inspiration. And a lot of times it's justified to... Uh, it's it's a justification to um, not hold to certain doctrine or okay. certain truths. So you can that discount or discredit Absolutely. something. Absolutely, and know? the same okay. thing. We I think we mentioned this at the beginning. The the problem with that is well, who determines what is and what's not? Yeah, you say yourself. And if it's me or judge. you, then we're now God, right? Which yep. is very humanistic. Uh, there. So, anyways, you got a couple of these terms. A couple more terms uh, concerning inspiration. You've got uh, we talk about inerrancy, mm-hmm. and that's simply that we believe the scripture was out without error in its recording. And then you hear the term infallible, and that means the scripture is without error uh, in its teaching or its doctrine or its truth. So both of those are important. Some would say, well, the Bible is infallible. Well, all they're saying is we believe all the doctrine is accurate. Well, inerrancy is also very important because that means we have faith and believe that, you know, that it's without error even in its recording. So those so. two terms, back up. Inerrancy, infallibility. Can you hash that yeah. again one more time? Inerrant, without error in its recording. Got it. How it was written, how it was copied, Got right? Uh, infallible without error in its teaching or its doctrine. Okay. And so those are those are e- both equally important because, um, like I said, there are some that would maybe say, well, the doctrine is right, but the exact words are not, or it was maybe mistakenly recorded, mm-hmm. or there's errors, et cetera, et cetera. We're almost out of time, and we'll, we'll continue on. You talked about inspiration and preservation. We're about to get into preservation in just a minute, I guess. We'll have to wait till another time. But... Um, the Bible makes claims about its being inspired. Um, obviously, there are other quote-unquote holy books uh, out there from different religions. Do any other religions make the same claims? And um, they how do they stack up? No, 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 no. There are internal evidences for inspiration. Mm-hmm. There are external evidences for inspiration, the accuracy of God's Word. Uh, you look to medical things, right, that the Bible yeah. speaks to, its accuracy, things that were mm-hmm. fun. You look at archaeological, mm-hmm. uh, you look at how about prophecy that's yeah. fulfilled. And so there's there's so many different evidences for inspiration uh, that no other book could ever claim. Yeah. And if the Bible claims to be the inspired book, then every other book by default is not and cannot make that same that's claim correct. if the Bible is true. Brother Angel preached the message years ago, things that are different are not the same. Yeah. 
profound. Amen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll continue our conversation. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, all the other videos as well. Uh, make sure that you uh, like this video, share it with somebody as well, and that also check out the audio-only platforms. Uh, thank you so much for joining us.